0: Last Sunday at Church Outdoors, we kicked off a mini-series to launch the fall season here at Cornerstone. Uh, We looked at Matthew 18, 15 to 20, uh, that classic passage about how to approach someone who has sinned against you and that Jesus' command is in direct opposition to what society advises us, which is either to ghost them. Um and to shove that offense deep down underground and never look at it again or on the other hand to blast them by telling everyone either in your circle or on social media about how that person has offended you and uh, of course I I laid this out um, using uh, a flowchart and uh, next Sunday we're actually going to circle back to Matthew chapter 1 verse 8 as we look at the following passage where Jesus tells us exactly how many times we are supposed to forgive each other but uh, this morning funny story this week has been kind of crazy and it came to Thursday and I was like I've not started the sermon yet and that never happens being here in this role for how many years I don't know how many years has it been seven years and never once have I done that and uh, But it it rolled around to to Thursday and I was like uh, And so I was talking with Stacy and Stacy's wisdom was why not get one out of the vault and I'm like, oh, okay you know this is what bands do right they re-release and they do a bit of a tweaking they remaster them right and they put them on Spotify and get a ton more money so uh, why not crack one out of the vault and uh, so that's what I've chosen to do in this teaching um, which I'll be referring to I taught on four years ago almost to the day so if you've joined cornerstone in the past four years which I know is a fair number of you um, that uh, you've never heard this one before and if we're honest the rest of you you don't remember what i preached on last week so uh four years is like ancient history this is from the neolithic so uh so um I think it's okay, and probably if I hadn't said, if I hadn't been honest, most of you would have gone, oh, that's a great sermon, I've never heard it before, or that was a rubbish sermon, I've never heard it before, right? But um, he- here we are, it's uh, one that I've kind of reworked from four years ago, and uh, and it really paints yeah, the picture of of the kingdom of Jesus, and as we heard last week, in the kingdom of Jesus, we have the freedom to engage each other in healthy conflict and uh, precisely because of the nature of the kingdom. This isn't a dog-eat-dog dog kingdom. We haven't been saved into a dog-eat-dog dog kingdom. This isn't a kingdom that's red in tooth and claw like maybe nature is. This isn't a kingdom, Jesus's kingdom, isn't a kingdom where it's kill or or be killed. So you got to have that first strike you know it's all about the preemptive strike that's not what Jesus's kingdom is about this isn't a kingdom where you have to have your defenses up all the time because you know that people are going to take advantage of you uh, if you show any weakness that's not the kingdom of Jesus Uh, God's kingdom is actually a kingdom of no fair which simply means that God's idea of fairness is very different often to ours and while this might cause us God's idea of fairness and justice and righteousness while it might cause us to shout no fair every now and again actually God's kingdom is no fair in our favor because here's the reality often our sense of fairness is skewed or justice is skewed but God's never is God's fairness Is never skewed now our passage this morning tells us that uh, that God's no fair kingdom as we see here is a kingdom of light and it's ruled over by a God of light it's a kingdom of fellowship of truth of freedom in other words God's kingdom is a kingdom where it's safe to know and to be known it's a kingdom where we can lower our defenses because this kingdom, God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, is a safe place. We hear a lot about safe spaces and safe places. God's kingdom is a safe place. So let's turn to our passage this morning, 1 John chapter 1, starting at verse 5. 1 John 1, verse 5. If you have a Bible with you, feel free to open up or on your phones. This is what 1 John 1, verse 5 says. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we are fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. Through this section of John's letter, Jesus is making sure that we understand what we're getting ourselves into when we accept his invitation to be part of his kingdom. We are rejecting the dark and we're embracing the light of his no fair kingdom. But for us to get a good understanding of our passage today, we kind of need to understand what the terms light and darkness are referring to and how John uses these terms. And in order for us to understand what light and darkness is or are, we need to visit a castle. In Wales, we have a castle called Castle Carraghennan, it's been a, a ruin since uh, 1462 but it's still standing, it's four miles from the town of Flandelo in the Brecon Beacons National Park and it sits above the countryside atop limestone cliffs as you can see over here and uh, it's quite an amazing place, actually uh, <clears throat> last year when, no it's not last year is it, 20 years ago Uh, Wendy and I got to go there with my sister. Now, in the 1200s, Castle Caracanon, Caracanon Castle, was captured by this guy with the amazing name of Rhys Fychan ap Rhys Mellill. I'll say that again. Rhys Fychan, it's not a swear word, that's a Welsh word. Rhys Fychan ap Rhys Mellill. And uh, Rhys actually captured it from his own mum. That's what Rhys did. And of course, Wales has tons of castles. But one of the things that sets this castle aside from the others is that it has a tunnel underground That ends in a natural cave. And the neat thing about this tunnel and this cave is that there is no artificial lighting whatsoever. So you need your cell phone or a torch or a flashlight if you want to find your way to the end of the tunnel. And then you reach the end of the tunnel and you turn off your torch and you are plunged into total darkness absolute darkness, 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 darkness. It's it's actually darkness which you can only stand for so long because then you start imagining something creeping up on you. It's a heavy darkness. It's a darkness that you can feel. Now, imagine being in the tunnel or in the cave at the end of the tunnel under Kasell Karakennan. The lights are off. It's complete black. You're with your mates and you've done spooking each other. That's already done. You've done trying to open and close your eyes and there's no difference at all. You've spoken out loud and you've listened to the echo. You've had that moment of quiet contemplation. In other words, you've experienced all that the cave has to offer. You're now ready to go back to the light. And before you can even suggest turning on your flashlight to head back at the tunnel your mate says well I'll be off then which is weird because you can tell that he's not switching on his torch so you point out the obvious to him Uh, your lights not on you can't see and I know you can't see anything he says no it's it's fine I can see great there's tons of light I can see the pathway I can see the rocks I can see you and once you're done here I'll see you outside And so you, as you're listening to your friend say this to you, these absurd words, you're confused. But your mate strides off, he sounds totally confident, but it's not long before you hear three sounds. Number one, the sound of a boot tripping over a stone. Number two, the soft thump as a head hits the cavern wall. And number three, a very well-chosen specific word that cannot be repeated in church on a Sunday morning. So you're trying not to laugh at your friend. And that's what John's getting on at, or that's what John's getting at here in First John 1 verse 5, the idea that someone can be walking in darkness and yet maintaining that they're walking in the light, that they can see, well, it's ludicrous, it's absurd, it's stupid. Verse 5, God is light. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and are not practicing the truth. John's not talking about opinions or feelings here. John's not sharing his thoughts and you can take it or leave it. John is stating a fact. If the lights are off and you're claiming the lights are on, then you're fooling nobody, not one person. And John pulls no punches when he says that if it's true of us, then if, if this is true of us, then we are lying and we're not practicing the truth, which is Bible language for job, John grabbing you by your lapels, shaking you in frustration and yelling, what are you talking about? How can you be saying that you're walking in the light? Now, I hope the question that you're asking yourself is, so what is the light and what is the dark Like I said before understanding what Jesus's kingdom is like hinges on knowing what John means when he talks about darkness and light if you get the definitions wrong then you can get really off base and that's what happened to me when I first read this passage I got the wrong idea I thought that the light and darkness simply meant walking in the light is being good and walking in the dark is being bad be good don't be bad then you'll be walking in the light and not in the dark If you walk in the, if you're good and not bad, then you can have a relationship with God. And if we view these verses as the ground rules for entrance into God's kingdom, then we start to have the idea, if this interpretation is right, that to be welcomed into God's presence, I need to be righteous and I need to be holy. And I know that I'm not. And I have a pretty good idea that you're not either. And this sadly leads Jesus' presence to be a place that we avoid in our minds. If we have to be perfect to be with Jesus, then we avoid Jesus. That's not what John is saying here. In fact, John is saying the complete opposite. John isn't saying be good rather than bad when he talks about walking in the light and not walking in the darkness. What he's saying is don't lie about being bad. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. If you want to hang out with Jesus, with God, in his place, in his kingdom, then just be you with all your sin and ugliness and come anyways. Jesus knows you're broken. Come to him anyways. He's saying wipe that church smile off your face if you know that you're struggling with sin. Stop pretending that everything's okay when actually everything is falling apart. Through John, Jesus is saying, for you to be welcomed into my presence, I have one requirement. Don't be a fake. Don't lie. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. In other words, own your brokenness. This is how we get into Jesus' party. This is how we get into Jesus' kingdom. To come to Him even though we are sinful and shame filled, because Jesus knows that you're broken. Come to Him anyways. This is so important for us to hear. Un- understanding this will decide whether you live a miserable, legalistic, religious life or whether you live a joy filled, grace filled, Holy Spirit filled life. Walking in the light does not mean being good. Walking in the light means being honest about not being good enough. It's that simple. But I want to say it again. Walking in the light does not mean being good. Walking in the light means being honest about not being good enough. And as we're honest about our sinfulness, by bringing it into the light and refusing to skulk around in the shadows, we end up with the most outrageous thing ever. The most unexpected result is that we have fellowship with God himself And this means that we can be free to be our true selves with God we can stand in the light and say to him here I am God warts and all as Oliver Cromwell said I am ashamed I hate what I've done I deeply regret the choices I've made I've sinned against you and rather than recoiling in disgust God draws near he puts his arms around you he welcomes you in through Jesus Christ and all this takes place in the light Is this true can we really believe that well what does it say in verse 8 it says if we have no sin we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us verse 9 if we confess our sins he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that happens in the light it doesn't happen in the dark Now, we know this verse very well, but we don't know it. We don't really get it. We don't most often live it. God embraces you and his holiness makes you holy. Okay, God, as God embraces you in grace, his holiness contaminates you and makes you holy. Jesus contaminates your sin with his purity and holiness and righteousness, the light of honest relationship with Jesus spreads through every cavern of your soul. And if you know anything about science, light beats darkness every single time. The, the dark cannot extinguish the light, but the light displaces the dark. Listen to First John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. And in 1st John oh sorry and in John chapter 1 verse 5 not the letter John but the gospel we read this that light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness has not overcome it isn't it cool that the message of 1st John chapter 1 verse 5 and the message of John chapter 1 verse 5 are so similar so in sync That the darkness of sin in you cannot overcome the light that is in Jesus. And one day God's light is going to extinguish all darkness everywhere. But Satan wants you to believe that it's safer for you in the shadows. It's safer for you to maintain a facade rather than coming into the light of Jesus. Jesus knows that you're broken. He knows your doubts. He knows your sins. He knows your regrets. He knows your shame. He knows come anyways. This is the hope of the gospel, that as we bring our true, hurting, sinful selves to Jesus, that we are not rejected, that the darkness does not win, but we are forgiven, we are purified. Verse 7 of 1 John 1, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship. Okay, let's pause there because you would think at this moment with all that John has said so far that John would complete this sentence by saying we have fellowship with God himself. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with God. After all, he's just said that darkness equals no fellowship with God, so it logically follows that light equals fellowship with God. But that's not how John finishes the sentence Verse 7 carries on by saying this. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Okay, so this is key. This is key because what's happening here is that John is taking for granted the fact that things are now good between us and God. We've come into the light with our shame and things are automatically good between us and God. It literally goes without saying it. So goes without saying that John doesn't mention this restored relationship with God. Instead, he leapfrogs straight to the fact that we have fellowship with one another. True fellowship with each other is what's on offer here. And yet many of us go through life alone unknown fighting battles by ourselves insisting I'm fine but why why do we choose to go it alone because we're afraid because we've been taught to be afraid of people seeing the real us with our sins and our weaknesses we're afraid of being rejected or judged of being either ghosted or blasted as we talked about last week. But John says in verse 7 that being honest about our sin is the very thing that leads us into genuine relationship with each other. It's not having shared hobbies. It's not having kids the same age. It's not living next to each other. It's being honest with each other and saying, I'm not okay and you're not okay and that's okay like I said last week we need our grow groups our small Ecclesia church groups where we know and are known where we can be screw-ups together by living in the light Here it is: we don't want to be in the dark maintaining I'm fine instead walk into the light experience true fellowship by saying we're all screw-ups together And verse 9 says that confession is the route to cleansing as we take the risk of developing legitimate honest relationships with each other verse 7 tells us that the blood jesus shed on the cross is applied to our sinful pasts and we're cleansed from all sin so let's go back into that cave in wales it's pitch dark you've fallen because it's pitch dark and you've ended up with a big cut on your arm but you're not sure how bad the cut is because it's dark but you feel it and it feels rather sticky it feels that something's not right there and it hurts but you take comfort from the fact that as long as you stay in the dark no one needs to know how much of a klutz you are now if you were to switch on the light it would become quickly apparent how bad the mess is And it would be clear what is required to clean it up. The light would reveal if you need stitches or just a band-aid. And then in that same light that shows you your brokenness, you look at your friend and see that they've spilt coffee down their shirt in the dark. You realize in the light what you'd have never known in the dark, that you're both a mess and you both need help. You realize that it's your brokenness that unites you. You grin sheepishly at each other as you start to tidy each other up and help each other John's saying that the route to true fellowship with each other is about being honest about the junk and the sin and the shameful stuff that's going on in your life the uh, Greek word for sin in verse 8 is harmatia which means missing the mark if we say we have no sin if we say we don't miss the mark then we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us and let me say this that anytime we pretend that we're not missing the mark then we're missing the point of the gospel of jesus's death on the cross the point of his blood being shed was to cleanse you from all sin and the and in the dark we can pretend that we're not missing the mark we can throw a dart in the dark and pretend that we're hitting a bullseye every single time. I'm so skillful, so amazing. Look at what a sportsman I am, throwing a dart and hitting the bullseye every time. But it's only as we allow the light and the truth of Jesus to come into our lives that we look at the pock marks on the wall and realize how much we've missed the mark and how much we've sinned. And time I've been honest about sin in my life, any time that I've taken the risk of coming into the light, I've never faced rejection, from God or from my friends. From God, I've received grace and forgiveness, and the friendships I've received as a result of being honest are deeper and truer and more honest. I'm free to talk about sexual temptation. I'm free to talk about losing m- my temper. I'm free to be open when I'm feeling low. In the light, we're free to be honest about our laziness, about our gluttony, about our anger. We're free to talk about our alcoholism, about about our porn addiction. In the light, we can open up about how we had an abortion and how it's plagued us for years. In the dark, everything looks scary, but in the light, we discover that we have nothing to fear. And this is what I want our grow groups to be, places of light where sins are confessed and the power of sin is broken, because Jesus knows that we're broken. Come to him anyways. Verse 8 and 9 start with the word if, and this is choose your own adventure time. It's the language of, or in the language of 1 John, we We need to choose between a life of claiming and a life of confessing. It's either one or the other. You're either claiming or you're confessing. If you're not confessing your sin, then by default, you're claiming to say that everything's okay. And the life of claiming is a lie. The, the, the life of claiming says I'm good enough I don't need Jesus and I don't need you I'm fine by myself that's what verse 8 is all about putting our best foot forward grinning and bearing it how much and how how much brokenness I wonder is concealed in the shadows of even this church how many of us would rather live in the lie rather than in the light and I include myself in that question that's what claiming, claiming everything's okay. But a confessor, someone who confesses, confesses is something else entirely. A confessor is honest. A confessor is like the tax collector in Luke 18, 13, who said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, here's the truth. If you want your future to be different from your past, then you need to choose differently now. If you're thinking, well, there's no point in confessing. I'm too far in. I know I'll just end up sinning again. So what's the point? Let me draw your attention to verse 1 of chapter 2 of 1 John. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. Right now is sin you're defining reality why not choose to make it that thing that you once did is sin the book title of your life well why not choose to make it a footnote my little children i'm writing you these things so that you may not sin all of those things that i just read about being honest is so that you may not sin jesus knows that you're broken come to him anyways be honest about your sin the risk of honesty is worth it that coming into the light not only brings us into fellowship with god but into fellowship with each other as we look around and see how messy we all are together john is saying be honest about sin why because my little children i'm writing you these things i.e be honest about sin so that you may not sin how does that even make sense because living lives of honesty with God and each other about sin, breaks the power of sin and frees us from the control of sin. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. If you don't believe me, maybe try it. Your sin isn't special. Your sin isn't unique. But Satan wants you to believe that your sin is special and your sin is unique. So, So why not call Satan on this by confessing to someone else what's truly going on in your life? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus knows that you're broken. Come to him anyways.